walls. They've been built for a couple of reasons. Walls around cities have sometimes been built so that the enemy people cannot get in. Sometimes walls have been built to keep people actually in. In 1961, that's what happened in, in East Germany. There had, it was the end of World War II, and the Russia, or Germany had been divided. East Germany had, Russia was making it a, a, a communist country, and on the other side in West Germany, it was the United States, France, and Great Britain, and they were making it a democracy. There was a huge line between the two. You could tell a huge difference. But it was a problem because many of the ones that were in the communist regime were defecting. They were, they were coming across, especially young professionals. So they would learn to be a doctor, learn to be a lawyer, learn to, to have a certain career, and then they would leave and go to the West. And so the government had meetings about it. They were trying to figure out what they could do to stop it. And what they came up with was a wall. And you may have gone to bed that night, and your kids maybe were in East Berlin with Grandma and Grandpa, and you were in West Berlin because you could go between the two. And when you woke up, there was a wall. There was a wall that, that separated family. Sometimes it, it was a problem because maybe you worked on the other side of the wall and lived on one side, so therefore you were without... Uh, income. So the wall was really difficult to handle. And they would later start building permanent walls, big concrete walls. And at the top, there'd be a cylinder so that people couldn't hardly get over it because that cylinder made it too slippery to get, to get over. Then they decided, yet yeah, we're going to make another wall. There was a, a, um, a space in between, and they called that the dead strip. The reason they called that the dead strip is because they had 302 watchtowers along that dead strip. They had um, been told as the soldiers to shoot to kill. They did not, uh, they put sand down because sand isn't as easy to run in as dirt. And then they put vicious dogs and they also had some landmines for them. They were going to keep them in. Yet some chose to somehow get out. There was a few that actually tunneled from East Berlin over to West Berlin. Um, there was um, some that would try to get over the, the fence, but very rarely did they make it alive. There was a few that actually took a hot balloon and made it over. Some would even try and swim. People wanted out but they were trapped because of the wall they were trapped because of the wall it would be 1989 before that wall would be opened up there were three checkpoints and I happen to remember the one I can't remember why I know this but the first one was the main one was checkpoint checkpoint Charlie protesters were protesting in 1989 in East Berlin and it had gotten to be kind of crazy around there, and the government did not know what to do. And so they were trying to find a way to get the unrest to stop, 
And they decided in a meeting that what they would do is they would tell them that they could make application. You, like you can make an application that your your family was getting together and you'd like to go over for that. Or there was a, a death in your family and you'd like to go over for that. So they said then you could apply for that and then we would make a decision whether it could be granted or not. But the person that was going to communicate that missed the meeting. And somehow he got it all turned around and actually did not say anything about an application. They just said we were going to make it easier for you to, to get through the to the other side. And then a reporter said, and when will that start? And because he missed the meeting, he said immediately. So he, they had left out a whole portion of what was supposed to happen. I don't know what happened to that man because he was probably in a lot of trouble. But what happened was the protesters and then hundreds of people started going to the gates of the, of the big wall to get through and hundreds gathered. And then, wait, now thousands are gathering and the soldiers do not know what to do because they have never had this big of a crowd. They are calling their superiors and the superiors don't know what to do because they weren't in the meeting. And so at one point, when there are thousands of people there, a, a official there that was actually at the gate said, we're gonna open the gates. And that's how it happened. It was all a mistake that that wall came down. But it would be 1991, I believe, when Reagan would say, tear that wall down. And the big cement walls would start to come down. Walls. They're something, aren't they? It's hard to get through them. Yet in our lives, we can have walls. You can be sitting out here right now, and you have a wall. Oh, I can't see it. Nobody else can see it. But it's that wall you've built up. It's called unforgiveness. And it is, it is maybe taking years. Maybe you put it brick by brick, put a little mortar on, and brick by brick and by brick, and you have built that wall. But that wall is keeping you from what God's very best is for you today. So today we're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about how we are going to forgive Look at number one in your notes. Forgiveness is a decision you must choose to make. It's a decision you must choose to make. It's your choice. Look at the scripture, Genesis 50, starting in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when, he spoke to him, when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you... You meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. I want you to look at this and realize what has happened. 
is the story of Joseph. If you're not familiar with that story, it's a really great, awesome story to read. It starts in Genesis 37, and we're going to just do a real snapshot of what has happened leading up to this verse. Joseph was a spoiled brat of the family. <laughs> he was a special child, and his daddy adored him to the dismay of his brothers because they had gotten to the place where they hated him. They had let hate grow in their life. And at one point when he is 17 years old, they see him coming because he would regularly come and check on them and then he would report back to dad. They would get in trouble and, you know, the golden boy who didn't have to do anything. They saw him coming and they said, I'm gonna, we're going to kill him. We're just going to kill him. Yet somehow, some way, they changed their mind when they saw some travelers coming through and they ended up selling him as a slave. 17 years old, sold as a slave. He had never, he never probably done anything, any work, because he was the golden boy, right? He was taken to a country where he didn't know the language and, and just thrown into it. Can you imagine from being the golden boy, the, the one, to being treated like dirt. Yet somehow, some way, Joseph managed to rise to it. As a matter of fact, he was serving in a household where he became the head of it. He became the head of that household, of the servants. And yet God was doing a work in and through his life. Then. Just when you think it's going to get better for him, it gets worse, doesn't it? Because he's, he, uh, the woman of the house said he tried to rape her, and he didn't. She lied. But, but everybody believed her because of her position, and, and he is put into prison for something he didn't do. Have you ever been there where you feel like you're being punished for something you never did? Where it really was somebody else's fault, and... And now you're getting it. Joseph would uh, be in prison for longer than he should have because he should have never been there. And just when he thinks he might have a good break and actually get out, there's two more years added on to that sentence. Yet God is doing a work. And what does he do? He takes him from the prison to the palace. And because of a series of miraculous things, he becomes the second in charge of the whole country. And he is the one that has had the vision that there are going to be seven years of great harvest, like an abundance, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. And the, um, the chief said that what we're going to do is we're going to have you be in charge of it all because you know how to do this. How do you go from prison to number two in the country? Through a whole series of events, here comes his brothers, the ones that actually had put him into slavery, and they want food for the family. He would later say, not only am I going to give you food, but I want you to bring your families. I want you to go get daddy. I want you to bring the animals. I want you to bring everything, and I'm going to take care of you. Wow. That, that shows some forgiveness, right? But where we're seeing it now his daddy has died. And the brothers, the brothers are scared. They're kind of thinking, well, maybe this forgiveness thing that he showed to us might have been all because of daddy. 
And maybe now he is going to get us. Maybe he's going to kill us. Maybe he's going to put us as slaves. Who knows what he's going to do? So they tell us that daddy said to take good care of us and to forgive us for the evil that was done. Now, I'm not even sure if daddy even said that. Maybe they just thought it would be a good thing if that's what daddy said, right? Yet what Joseph says is says, do not fear for am I in the place of God. In other words, I've already given this to God. I'm not going to come after you because of what you did for me. And then he ends it by saying, as for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. But God meant it for good. So the second thing I want to tell you about forgiveness is when you forgive, you are setting a prisoner free, and that prisoner is you. That prisoner is you. Look at Matthew 6, verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God, then your Father will not forgive your trespasses. Now, many of you may have read this in a, a version that has pretty much, for if you forgive others their trespasses, God will forgive you the, yours, right? I gave you this, one, this particular version because I wanted you to see a little bit more what it says. Because if we forgive others because of their reckless and willful sins, Many times we're hurt and people have meant to hurt us, right? Sometimes people haven't really meant to hurt us, but right there, even those that have willfully sinned against you. But if you do not forgive others, now listen to what he says. Nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God. That means you've been putting the wall up because of what they've done. And I know some in some cases, it is just awful what they've done. Sometimes there's abuse involved. Sometimes they have, they have said terrible things to you all your life. Sometimes it's, it's people that you can't get away from. It's people at work or it's people in your own home. But, but it's just that, that unforgiveness has made that wall continue to grow continue to grow. And look what it says. It says, when you nurture that hurt and that anger, when you nurture it and try and say, well, they deserve it. I mean, really, if you only knew what they did to me. But that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at, yes, you're justified, but should you do it? No, because it can interfere with your relationship, not only with others, but with God. Woo. Listen to this quote that I found this week. Healing doesn't mean the damage never existed. It means the damage no longer controls your life. Did you get that one? Healing doesn't mean the damage never happened. Sometimes, I mean, you know, it happened. 
It means when you're being healed, it means the damage no longer controls your life. You need that. You need it more than they need it. You know, it's, it's not in your notes, but in Genesis 41, starting in verse 51, it says, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, causing, which means causing to forget. For he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and hardships and all the sorrow of the loss of my father's household. And he named the second son Ephraim, fruitfulness, for God has caused me to be fruitful and very successful in the land of my suffering. And I want you to realize that this is this happened before he saw the brothers. This is verse this is chapters before. And he is second in command. He's gotten married. He has children now. And he has named them something so that he can remember. He called the first one Manessa because it means causing to forget. Because he remembered all the trouble he had and the hardship. But do you know what? That word forget in that verse doesn't mean that he doesn't remember. It remembers, it, it means that you no longer are confused by what has been done or what should have been done. You are no longer controlled by that. Joseph managed somehow to forgive somehow to forgive and I think it's because God dealt with him and said you've got to you've got to let it go how am I going to how am I going to do what I want to do in your life how am I going to be able to do it if you won't let me into your life like you should see forgiving is not usually forgetting but it is little by little letting go of the hold that incident or time over your life has on you because forgiveness for a lot of people is a journey it's a journey it's not um, sometimes sometimes God will do it all at once you might be in today's service and when by the time we get to prayer you're just letting it go and God just you can just feel God's uh, presence and you know you let it go completely and totally but I want to tell you, for a lot of people, it's a daily walk. It's something really bad has happened to me. I'm holding on to it, but I'm going to have to choose every day that I am going to let it go. I am going to have to choose every day that I'm going to forgive. I'm going to have to ask God to help me because I don't know if I can do it on my own, but I'm going to have to walk it out daily. Look at Romans 12, 19. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine. God is saying, I'll take care of it. Why are you holding on to it? Right? Why are you, why are you carrying it around? It's heavy on your life. It's, that wall is in front of you. you. You can't hardly move because of it. Why are you carrying it when God says, I'll take care of the vengeance? Why are you? It, many times, the wall that you built, the person or persons that has caused you to build that wall don't know you have built the wall. 
many times you are punishing really yourself. And God is saying, let it go. Let it go. They are, may or may not be affected by how you feel, but you've got to let it go for you. Look at number three. Forgiveness is for your benefit. Forgiveness is for your benefit. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, Finally, all of you be like-minded, united in spirit, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, courteous and compassionate toward each other as members of one household and humble in spirit, and never return evil for evil or insult for insult. Avoid scolding and berating and any kind of abuse, but on the contrary, give a blessing. Pray for one another's well-being, contentment, and protection for it. For you have been called for this very purpose and that you might inherit a blessing from God that brings well-being, happiness, and protection. And I want you to look at where it says, never return evil for evil or insult for insult. Never means never. And sometimes in life, we just want that vengeance somehow, some way. Some, if I can just say this, I'll feel better. A lot of times it, it just builds another wall. It's just another brick in it, isn't it? Because you're just holding on to that. You may say it, and then you've still got it on the inside of you because you haven't dealt with it. Because you haven't dealt with it. And God says, wait, hold on. I, I'm the one that's taking care of it all. So why are you? Why are you? And did you see that? You, you need to do that and, to, and not return evil for evil so that you might inherit a blessing from God that brings well-being and happiness and protection. And I would just like to say, I realize that we don't always like to do what God has us to do. The other day, um, I was at the house, and my three-year-old grandson, Sawyer, was there, and um, my my son-in-law, and Sawyer did something he was not supposed to do, and so this is how it went. His dad said no, and then he said, Sawyer, I said no, and Sawyer turned around and said, yeah, I said yes, because I'm the boss. Oh, gosh. We all know that's not going to go over good, right? I'm just like, oh. Well, Sawyer was gone for a few minutes, and I think when he came back, he understood a little bit better that he's not the boss, although he might still say it to us, he's not the boss. And sometimes, though, when it comes to God... We want him to be the boss over the good things in our life, but something like forgiveness, we don't want him to be the boss. And sometimes we don't turn and say, I'm the boss, but in our heart we're like, I'm not ready to let that go, God. I don't, I don't want to let that go. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to do it. It's too hard. And God says, I'm still the boss. And you can choose to hold on to that, but you're missing out on benefits. You're missing out on benefits when you're not letting that go. Look at Psalm 103, um, verses 2 and 3. It says, Bless 
and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits, who forgives all of our sin, who heals all of our diseases. And do you know what? He forgives all of our sins, but he expects us to forgive. And do not forget all of my benefits. When I was, when I first got married, um, we, we lived in the Quad Cities, and I got a job at a bank. And we, we were not in ministry when we first got married, and BG had a job at a car dealership. But when, I, when they gave me, you know, they hired me, you go to the HR, and they're talking to you about benefits, and I'm like, you know, I'm young. I'm just happy that we have insurance, you know, I, whatever else she's saying, you know. And then BG also had benefits, and um, I don't think I took into account how awesome those benefits were until I didn't have them. Because five years later, we quit our jobs and went into ministry and almost didn't have enough to pay our bills or to feed our kids. So insurance wasn't even a possibility for us. It wasn't something we could think about. Or retirement or any of that other stuff that was in the benefit package. But sometimes when we when we want the benefits that God says in his word that we can have, well, we want that. We just don't want to do all this other stuff, right? We want the benefits, but God, you, you expect me to do something about that? Like you expect me to choose to forgive? And that's what God says, yes. He says, yes, you're going to have to just do it. And I know it isn't a big amen kind of service, right? Because it's sometimes it's kind of, well, stepping on everybody's toes. Because forgiveness isn't the easiest thing. I have a, a friend, um, him and his wife were at a meeting just recently that I was at. And I sat in their section. We talked for a little bit. And I got home a few days and I got an email and it said that he was, he was going into the hospital, and his doctor had called on a Saturday. How unusual is it for them to call on a Saturday? And said, how you need to get to the hospital right now. Uh, we did that scan, and your, your heart is in terrible shape. You need to be monitored. We're scheduling open-heart surgery. Um, this guy's in, in his 50s, I'm pretty sure, very fit, like they... I, I see him on Facebook all the time. Him and his wife hike, and they climb mountains, and they just do all kinds of stuff. So he's, on the outside, looks very healthy. On the inside, his aorta looks like he's 85 years old. And his arteries look fine. He's, they said the arteries look like you're in your 20s. But see, looking at how on the outside, I didn't know that he had a problem on the inside. And in our lives, on the outside, sometimes we look pretty good. But on the inside, we're to a place that we need to do some open-heart surgery and maybe get rid of some things that are holding our hearts captives, captives so that we cannot do what God wants us to do. We cannot be the kind of people that God wants us to be. You know... It says, um, one of the studies that I looked at this week said 
Nearly one-fourth of practicing Christians in the U.S. say there is someone they cannot forgive. And out of that group of people, 28% said, I don't even want to forgive. Like, I, I don't ever want to let it go. I don't ever want to let it go. Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're, you're holding on to something that God says, let go. So I can work in your life like I want to because the wall is too big. And I know, I know some of you are saying, you, and saying, you don't know, Brenda. You don't know what I've been through, what kind of things have happened to me. I know. I know. But I don't know how you feel, but I do know that what God says. I was, um, I was, it would have been the first place of ministry we were at. And, um. It was the first time, really, as an adult, that it felt like somebody had hit me with a knife. You know, the, the words, the words, oh, the words. And, and these friends of, that we thought were our friends were saying really bad things about us, and it hurt so bad. And I, I just remember making my wall. I mean, I was busy. I was, I was, I was put. I, I thought, okay, I, 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 I'm just never gonna let anybody get that close to me again. Wait, I'm just never. You know, I'm gonna act fine on the outside, but on the inside, I am just building a wall. I am building a wall because I'm never letting anything like that happen to me again. And I can't remember. It was a Sunday night, uh, and. Um, I don't even remember if the pastor was talking about forgiveness, but I know that in my heart, God was talking to me about forgiveness. And I remember after the service, I went to the altar, and I was just crying. And all of a sudden, God just said, Brenda, just let it go. And it was just like I could almost feel that wall tear down. I had one of those unusual experiences where it, it happened all at once. But it, well, I will never forget that experience. And what I try to do, I don't always do this, but what I try to do is let things go early on. It's easy to knock down a small wall. And sometimes when you just think, you know what, I will, they, what they did to me was pretty awful, but I'm just going to kick that wall down because it is not worth it is not worth it. It is not worth getting upset. It is not worth building a wall that God can't use me. It is not worth. What if, what if he's trying to speak to me and I can't hear it because of the wall? Sometimes we have to take a chance and just say, I'm going to do it. Day by day. And even though I had that experience at the altar, there was, I had to walk it out. I had to say every morning, I'm just going to forgive him. I choose to forgive him. God, help me to forgive him. I choose to do that. And I will tell you, one day, it gets easier, one day at a time. One day at a time, it gets easier. Because we have to remember that verse that I read in the middle of the, of the uh, message, and that was Matthew 6.14, that, if, if you forgive others their trespasses, God's going to forgive you yours. And many times we forget that. We are quick to say, God, forgive me. 
aren't you happy that God forgives you? That you mess up. Don't we all mess up? And you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. God, forgive me for doing that. And he is so kind and gracious to do it. Yet we are not always so kind and gracious to forgive somebody else. But sometimes we just feel like the obstacle is too big. The wall is too big. How am I ever going to do it, Brenda? You're going to do it because of Philippians 4.13. It's not in your notes. And it is, it is a very familiar verse. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Remember that one? I can do all things. Listen to what it says in the Amplified. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm ready for anything equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. I can do anything. I can do anything. You may sit here and think, I can't do this, Brenda. It is too hard. The wall's been up for too many years. I don't think I can tear it down. They hurt me too bad. It's too awful. And I want to say, you're right, but it's not worth your life. Choose forgiveness. And you know what? God will give you the strength that you don't even think you can have to do it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you, God, that when we don't feel like we are strong enough to forgive, you are right there beside us, helping us each and every day. And as that wall comes down, God, I believe that you're going to do some incredible things in the lives of people. And God, help us all to be mindful of not to let even a little bit of a wall start to build up in our life. And when we see it, when we begin to feel like that you that someone has hurt us and we're starting to build that wall, help us to be smart enough to say, I'm going to kick it down right now. I'm going to forgive and let it go. And God, I thank you that you are so faithful to help us. When we don't know what to do, God, you are faithful. And I thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, we'll talk about forgiveness. Our Heavenly Father, He forgives so readily because He loves us. He loves you. And if you don't know that kind of forgiveness right now, I just pray that you'd ask Him into your life. And we're going to do that here in just a few seconds. If everyone could please stand up and repeat the simple, simple prayer of inviting Christ into your life. We have a new beginning and a fresh outlook and that He just wipes the slate clean and gives you a, a new start. So if you could, go ahead and repeat this very short prayer after me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus. I know that he died because of my mistakes. Right now, I ask Jesus into my heart and in my life, make me brand new. Change me and help me to turn from those former things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That means that you're a brand new creation in him. That's a great thing to celebrate. Have a great day.